Welcome to Member Maker, a podcast about how to build a sustainable membership business. I'm your host, Ward Sandler, the co-founder of Memberspace. This podcast is brought to you by Memberspace, which turns any part of your existing website into members only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com. Hey, Robbie, welcome to Member Maker. Thanks so much for having me, Ward. Yeah, sure thing. So what is your business and who are you helping? My business is subscription and membership models, and I help everybody from solopreneurs on up to some of the biggest companies in the world, the you know, Microsoft, Netflix, NBA for basketball fans. That's my business. And so what are you actually doing for those folks? I have been working with businesses that have a membership model or what I would call membership economy business for the last 15 years, helping them to optimize their model, which which sort of includes a bunch of different things. Uh, I see it as a kind of bigger framework. So sometimes I'm helping organizations just get started. And so the challenges of, of launching a membership model, sometimes I'm helping them scale. So, hey, my membership model's working, but I'm doing it all manually. How do I scale that? And how do I create a culture once I start to hire people that will support a member mindset? And then finally, for organizations that have had membership models for a long time, um, so think about professional associations, gyms and fitness centers, or, uh, you know, of course, news media, how do they continue to evolve the packaging of their value to stay relevant um, in, a, in a very, you know, disruptive environment? I also have written two books um, about how to build and sustain membership models, the membership economy and the forever transaction. Yeah, for longtime listeners of this podcast, they will definitely have heard of the membership economy. It's one of the most recommended resources at the end of the podcast. So we're really excited to have you on. Oh, great. Okay, so within that consulting, uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot. There's a lot of different things you can do there, a lot of different businesses you can help. When it comes to community, that's something I'm curious about because we've heard that as a, a concept a lot of memberships are offering. And it's one of the most popular elements in terms of what makes a membership successful, we found, and that I've heard from other folks is having a strong community, especially in person. Is there any tips you have for folks out there that are trying to launch some kind of a community membership? Yeah. if So I think about community as being one element, one way of packaging value for your members. So if you take a step back and you say, okay, I am trying to help my members either solve a problem forever or achieve a goal forever, some kind of a long-term priority for the people that you're serving. There's a million different ways that you can package the value. You can you can write a book, you can have blog posts, you can have podcasts, you can have conferences, you can do masterminds, you can do them in person, you can do them digitally, you can have them help each other. You can help them just by bringing in experts that they can listen to or talk to or get advice from. So in that context, community is one way of creating more value for your members. And it's really powerful and really popular with organizations because the value of it comes from the members operating under the umbrella of the membership brand. So if you can build a community that is really active, where people are helping each other and actually creating content and value, that is something that is both very hard for a competitor to recreate, very sticky 
So, you know, members don't want to leave a community once they've become known and connected and feel a sense of belonging there. And then it's also an asset that doesn't cost the brand, the membership organization, anything to create. It's it's created by the members themselves. The downside is you don't just, and I know you know this word, you don't just turn on the platform and say, okay, members, come and be community. Uh, you actually have to invest in building it. Um, it's like building a garden. You know, the, the first few months are much harder. And then once the tree is starting to grow, it takes a lot less effort. And that early nurturing stage, one of the most powerful things to help it grow is real life connections. Moving those real life connections into a digital space can be a really effective way of launching a membership and having periodic in-person events alongside digital is a way to deepen and extend the value of that community under the membership umbrella. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in everything you just said there. And I like the phrase, you're trying to solve a problem forever when it comes to like a membership site. That's a really interesting way to phrase it. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a funny one. One time I had someone ask me a question. She said, you know, I have this membership model around potty training. I don't know if you have children, Ward, but around potty training. And members don't seem to stay very long. And should I force them into an annual membership? In other words, it was monthly. People were joining. They were staying for about two months, and then they were leaving. And, you know, the issue, of course, is that potty training is not a forever transaction. It's not like, oh, for the rest of my life, I need somebody to help me with potty training. It's a very finite duration. And her problem with her membership was that she wasn't providing ongoing value that would organically result in somebody staying a member for longer than, you know, two, three months tops. Yeah. I mean, that kind of model would strike me as either you would want to do annual or maybe just a lifetime. It's just like one-time charge, you get access for life and that might, yeah, that might make more sense. Right. Exactly. Lifetime as long, you know, and, and the other thing is what she could have done is she could have said, instead of being a potty training business, it could be a sticky problems of parenting membership, right? Because parenting is a lifetime. I mean, that is a lifetime proposition. That is a forever transaction right there. And she could have used the potty training as a headline benefit, as a trigger to get people to join, and then could have moved them through the other kind of major challenges that parents face. And that she could have really justified, you know, monthly membership forever for, for 18 years for, you know, for some of us longer than 18 years of, of parenting. Right. So how did you actually get into the membership economy business niche? Well, I have three kids and my middle daughter, when I was home on maternity leave with her, she's, she's 19 now. I got laid off from my job as on maternity leave and I decided that I was going to be responsible and in control of my own income. Uh, probably like many of the listeners, I, I wanted to be independent and not have a boss anymore. And so I started consulting and I realized pretty quickly that I needed to have an area of expertise and it was taking me a while. I didn't know what that would be, but I kind of had my eyes open and was always thinking, is this what it's going to be? Is this, because it has to be something that's narrow enough that you can really go deep and own something, but it also has to be broad enough that it's interesting and meaty and is going to have legs for the duration. And my fifth client um, as an independent consultant was Netflix. And that was just luck, right? I, I 
was asked to help with some acquisition partnerships that they were working on. And I ended up doing a whole bunch of projects for them over a two to three year period. And I fell in love with their model. And at the same time as I was falling in love with their model, other people were. And I started getting calls from you know classmates and friends of friends and former colleagues saying, hey, we want to be the Netflix of our industry. Can you help us do that here? And that's really how I got and got interested in it. You know, it was like I was falling in love with the business model. Everybody else was falling in love with the business model. And I was like, I could be really happy just digging in to this relatively narrow space. Yeah, I think there's a lot of depth to the world of memberships. I think on the surface, people think it's kind of simple, like, oh, you just charge a recurring fee and you get access to something. But it's just so much deeper than that. And for sure, it's a lifetime's worth of work to really fully explore all the ins and outs of it. But for what you were doing with the consulting, you started there, it sounds like. How long were you doing consulting before you wrote the membership economy? So I consulted you know, at a big firm before before I hung up my own shingle. But from the time that, you know, Annabelle was born and I started consulting, it was 10 years. I, I have notes. Actually, I, I started consulting 2001. I started taking notes for my book saying, oh, I should probably write a book about this. There's a lot here in 2004. And my book came out in 2015. So over 10 years that I was writing and thinking about this, in almost 15 years of working primarily with businesses that had subscription pricing and membership models. So long time. It took me a really long time to be confident that I had something valuable to say. And working that long in that industry and with all those companies, that sounds like a good way to build up that initial audience when you were actually launching the book. Yeah. Yeah. So some of your listeners probably have have written books. You know, If you want to get your book published by a a third-party publisher as opposed to going the self-publishing route, they're certainly going to look at the content of your book and kind of what your what your book outline is. But just as important is your platform. And because I had worked with so many membership and subscription businesses, and because I had been writing articles and speaking on that topic for a pretty long time at business schools and professional associations and inside companies that was actually i think what made them want to do the book because i already had a platform i already had followers right and you had you also had credibility by working with all these name brands like netflix it's like okay obviously this person knows what they're talking about netflix doesn't just hire random people off the street so yeah yeah exactly and i at, at that point i'd worked with netflix it, you know this is way back now but when i wrote the first book i had worked with Netflix and Yahoo and Oracle and SurveyMonkey and Intuit, they were all kind of Silicon Valley tech companies. So, you know, much narrower than what I do now, but most of those were, you know, household brand names that were real leaders in working in in subscription and membership, but, but very different from, you know, the kind of many memberships that have popped up both with solopreneurs and then, you know, all the different kinds of interesting ways that companies have explored premium membership, community, freemium, all of those things, even since the first book was published. Right. So why don't we talk about pricing a little bit? So you have the consulting side of your business, and then you have the the publishing, the book side of it. Obviously, books are a little more straightforward, I would think, in terms of pricing, maybe not as much nuance to it. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but <laughs> in terms of the consulting, could you kind of walk through how you think through your pricing for that? 
Yeah. So, so first of all, with the book, I have no control over the price. That is set by the publisher and by the retailer. So, you know, people sometimes will ask me, hey, can you send me a free book? And I'm, I'll say, you know, yeah, I'll buy you a book and I'll mail it to you. And I'm glad to do it. But it's not like I have control over the price. It's very different if you're a self-publisher. In terms of the other side, the, the consulting and the speaking, you know, what I try to do is price for value and work in a retainer kind of advisory relationship so that I can, you know, I always think of it as I'm sitting, you know, you're going on a journey of membership and I'll ride shotgun with you and I'll help you pack your trunk. And I've been on this trip a million times, so I can tell you the shortcuts and I can help you change your tires. But if nobody's sitting in the driver's seat, we're not going to get very far. So you're really in the driver's seat. And that's been the model that I've used for work. So that allows me to work with multiple companies at one time and really be helpful sharing my expertise and then counting on them to do kind of the arms and legs operations of running the business. Right. And what's the range if, if you're comfortable sharing it in terms of your pricing? Like, is it starting at a certain amount and then it goes up to a certain amount? Is it a retainer? Is it hourly? How do you actually think about that? Well, I, I call it a retainer, but it's basically a fixed price for the month. And it's usually, you know, three month increments. For small businesses, I do $25,000 for six months for a small business owner for coaching and mentoring and advisory work. And that's for unlimited access to me. So you can call me every single day if you want. You can send me everything you're working on and I'll do my very best to help you make progress in in all areas. Uh, And then it's much more for, you know, venture backed and public companies, family run businesses, things like that. But my, you know, I try to keep the pricing lower for the solopreneurs and small business owners just because I want to be able to help as many people as I can. And that's also, frankly, the reason I wrote the book, because you don't even have to pay anything. You can go to the library and just get it. (laughs) And I'm fine with, I'm really happy. Go get the book. And my email address is on the last page and you can email me your questions and I'll try my best to help you. Yeah, no, that's great. So when you were first starting the consulting part of the business, well, first you're working for somebody else, but let's let's start from when you were working from your for yourself. When you were first beginning there, what were some of the roadblocks that you kind of ran into? Like what what didn't really work? Was there anything you tried that just didn't really work out well? Oh, so many things. <laughs> first of all, I was very very you know, entrepreneurs have different risk thresholds, and my risk threshold is very very low. Like I am not willing to take a lot of risk for better or for worse. So. If I had been bolder earlier on and maybe taken out loans and hired staff, maybe I'd be much, much further along. On the other hand, maybe I'd be out of business and my family would be, you know, living on the streets. So, you know, I wonder if I'd, I, I wish I had maybe been a little more confident and pushed a little harder and faster early on. That's something that I, that I kind of look back on and, and wish maybe I'd done a little bit differently. It took me a few years to find my niche. You know, I don't know how I could have been better at that, but that was hard. And then there were some things. I'm an extrovert, so it's lonely running your own business. And um, it took me a while to kind of figure out the right rhythm to balance, you know, work calls, social calls, seeing friends, finding a support group, like finding a mastermind group and finding a community of other professionals that were doing similar things was really, really important. And I don't think that happened for the first two years. So those were those were some of the things early on. It was also hard for me to figure out pricing for consulting services. There's lots of different ways to price for value. You know, you mentioned it. You, know, you can price hourly. You can price per project. You can price as a retainer. You can price as a you know fixed fee for unlimited access. And and figuring all of that out 
you know, it, it took me a while. Yeah. So how did you get to the three month increment model? Why, why did you settle on that? What I realized was I can provide value in one day, right? Call me, we'll, we'll spend an hour. It'll be super valuable. So I do that too. I have like a jump start. you know, just call me one hour, pick my brain. We can do that. And that really helped with all the people that said, can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain? I'm like, well, not really a cup of coffee. Like for, this is the truth for my friends, for my friends of friends. If you're asking me a favor, I am glad to talk to your people and help them as much as I can for an hour, and I'm not going to charge them anything, and I'll pay for my own coffee. And if it's somebody that I don't have a relationship with, then you know I ask them to pay for it. And that gets rid of the people that aren't serious, and the people that are serious show up really, really well prepared, and we, we do a lot. But then I find that when you kind of get beyond an hour or maybe a half day, I start to have to really dig in and become an expert on your business. So I have a very high learning curve. There's a period of time where I'm working very hard to just understand your unique business. And so I've found that I need to kind of have a three-month window to really get up to speed and, and justify the investment on my side. And then what ends up happening with most clients is they extend. So I would say the average range is like six to 18 months of working with a larger organization. So the one-hour call will usually lead to some kind of upsell or further engagement. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I really, my goal in that hour call is to provide as much value as I can. So I'll usually, if, if let's say you said you signed up for it, I would say, great, why don't we meet in a week? And in the meantime, send me everything you want me to look at. And I'll try to just browse through it so I'm at least versant in what you're doing. And send me what your top questions are so I can process a little bit. And then when we get on the phone, it's just an hour of intense, you know, going through all the questions that are on your mind. And if you don't ever, again, kind of like the library book, if, if that's all you need, I'm thrilled. And if you want to come back and do more, that's, that's great too. But I'm just trying to figure out different price points and different ways to help different kinds of people. And what do you charge for the one-hour calls or does it vary? No, it's $500. It's on my website. You just sign up, pick an hour, and off we go. And it's for five days. So one hour plus five days of prep. So it's usually like four working days for me to get up to speed. And then, you know, a week after that, you can send me emails and stuff if you have a question that you realize after you got off the phone, oh, I never really asked that or, oh, I don't really understand what she said. Yeah. And I think for some people listening, especially maybe those aren't, aren't as far along with their business, they might hear, wow, $500 for an hour call, that's really high. Mm -hmm. But what I hear is that's a really good value because you're distilling all this knowledge, 10 years, a decade's worth of, of working with companies in various situations. And you're able to take all that, all that information and synthesize it individually do whoever's on the call with you to give them all the information in an hour and then all that prep time you're doing. So I think that's actually an amazing deal. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. I, I think, I mean, I, I hope people find it valuable. That, that's truly my intention. And I try, you know, the kinds of things that I try to go through with people, and we can talk about this more on the call if this is useful to your, to your listeners, but, you know, getting really specific about what should be free and what should be paid for in your business model, what the right price point is, how many tiers of pricing you should have, what should be a la carte versus what should be included, like really how to put together that pricing model and what rules of thumb to keep in mind as you iterate on your pricing, thinking about who your best member is so that you can optimize your, not just your offering, but also how you recruit and onboard new members to keep them, sort of how to make sure all those pieces fit together, and then how to deepen and expand a relationship with a good customer or a good member. So 
we really, I mean, I really want to get into the nitty gritty and that's actually what's also in the book. The, the goal is to help as many people as possible. And I just keep looking for different ways along kind of the price value continuum to, to get the price low enough that more people can access it. Fantastic. So uh, in closing here, what are some resources that you would recommend for folks? So blogs, podcasts, books, uh, courses, anything like that outside of your own stuff? Yeah, there's so much stuff out there. You know, it's funny, like five years ago, even there was hardly anything for subscription people and hardly anything for membership. But now there's a lot of subject matter experts that I think are really credible, including you. Anne Janzer wrote the book Subscription Marketing. I actually wrote the foreword for her. This is her third printing of it. So it's been a very successful book. I think that's great for people. Peter Fader is a Wharton professor who's got deep expertise in customer centricity, which can be really helpful as you're thinking about how to design your offering to really be focused on the people that you serve. Jason Lemkin, who runs Saster, you know, S-A-A-S, like software as a service, Saster, co-authored a book with Aaron Ross called From Impossible to Inevitable, How Hypergrowth Companies Create Predictable Revenue that kind of breaks down how to acquire and retain members. I think that book and also the Saster community is a really helpful place for customer success, sort of thinking about how do we support our members once they're already in the community. I think Lincoln Murphy, who's a you know an independent right now, but he's worked at several customer success companies. He's really smart on this topic. Those are, I'm trying to think if there's any any others. There's Subscription Insider, which really gets into issues around, you know, operations, legal, business, all the back office stuff around subscriptions. I think that's really great. Teen Zoe's book, um, Subscribed, is a great book about subscriptions. And uh, John Warlow's The Automatic Customer, where he focuses on all different kinds of businesses that are building forever transactions with the people that they serve. So those are that's kind of a data dump. Those are a bunch of the sources that I really like that I think are really helpful for membership entrepreneurs. Fantastic. So for you, Robbie, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about you and your business and what you offer? RobbieKelmanBaxter.com, myname.com is probably the best place. You can also find me on, you know, anywhere you do social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just put my name in there's, you know, you'll you'll find lots of lots of lots of ways to reach me. I'm not I'm not hard to find. Great. Well, thanks for spending time with us. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure, Ward. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. There's a direct link in the show notes. We really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by MemberSpace, which turns any part of your existing website into members only with just a few clicks. It's available for Squarespace, WordPress, Webflow, Wix, Duda, Weebly, and custom HTML sites. Learn more at memberspace.com.